So welcome to another episode of the Friday Film Club. Uh, my guest today is one of the founding members of the legendary Spandau Ballet, and he's now on tour performing some of their greatest hits with his new band, The Sleeves. Uh, welcome to the show, Steve Norman. Thank you very much, Liam. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on. You are, uh, you are a legend, I must say. Well, I don't know, but not in my own household. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever is, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so, yeah, hopefully um, it's a bit of a change uh, actually talking about film for once. I guess mm. normally everyone asks you about your music, which, uh, which I'm going to do. But, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, they do. I mean, I, I was just thinking because uh, you remind me that uh, I had a few questions that I should have mulled over, which I was doing about two minutes before I saw your face here. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, one of them was like, well, what's your favourite film? And then I suddenly realised, I mean, I have got a favourite film. You might not want to go into it yet, but then I realised, hang on a minute, I've got a film out, Spandau Ballet's Soul Boys of the Western World. That was a great film. <laughs> I so, know, what, what a yeah. fantastic plug, straight in yeah. there. <laughs> it really is. I mean, that, that came out, what, 2014, uh, when we were still kind of all together, you know, and, and it... It's it's the kind of film where you don't have to like Spandau, you don't have to be a fan. It really gives you a good snapshot of of the period. You know, this is late seventies, early eight, very early eighties, late seventies, really. And it, it, it uses Spandau to take us on a journey through the cultural conditions and the social conditions in where we lived in Soho, for example. That was a very dangerous place in London, in Soho. But that's where we went out like, uh, when we could. Um, yeah, so it's, it's very interesting, that film. But I've interjected. You carry on, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to ask you, you know, because without making you feel too old it's been you know over 30 years now since you know the, the heyday of spandau ballet 40. so you know well, <laughs> well there you go um so i mean what how's life been for you in the in the years since yeah yeah interesting yeah i've i mean i've traveled around a little bit so i uh, uh we kind of we never broke up ever we never no it's we still haven't really even though people say, yeah, I think that's the end of it, you know, but we grew up together as friends, um, you know, so at the end of the 80s, when when everyone, a few couple in the band were to go their separate ways, fair enough. But I was sort of thinking, well, well I don't want to go a separate way. And then you start looking, well, what am I? Where, where do I want to go and where should I go? That was the most complicated thing and losing my dear friends that I've known since I was about, well, 11, some of them. I was in the same class at school as Gary. You know, we all went to the same school except for Martin, who I knew via Gary. Around, going around Gary's house, there was his young kid, only two years younger, but when you're like 15, that child is 13, the other one. It's a big difference, isn't it? Those two years when you're young teens. And, uh, you know, so when we sort of dissipated at the end of the 80s, I, I was, wasn't in a great place up there mentally, because I was doubting everything and I really, really low self-esteem I had at the time. So, and I ended up going to um, Ibiza to live for 12 years. I'd always liked the dance scene there and I always liked dance scene anyway. I ended up living there for 12 years, had my kids, got married. We split up, but, you know, we're still close. Um, my two kids are, are Spanish. <laughs> they live in London, but, you know, their first language when they speak together, it's all Spanish. When they oh, come wow. around here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that, you know, that was interesting, that journey for me in itself. 12 years 
I couldn't pick up a saxophone for, for many, a number of years in, in the um, 90s, early 90s, because it was too representative of Spandau. My heart was broken, mm. you know. Um, eventually got very much into the dance scene, became a music producer there, de um, put together sort of um, uh, CDs of local talent, DJs and, you know, local producers that lived on the island. From there, you know, I've moved around. I spent half my time in Berlin now with my partner. Um, Sabrina, who's in my band as well, and my son. So the sleeves, my band, is very sort of family affair, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. It's it's I've created the band. Really, it's my it's my thing. But I like the band sort of um, atmosphere. I love the I missed Spandau the hour before we go on it on stage in the dressing room. Lock that door. And you, you, I cannot repeat things that go on. It's just the most base humour, even more base than when we were at school, you know. It <laughs> really is. But it's hilarious. we got all those memories and that. I'm, I'm in a good place now because I, whenever I think of them and the band, it's joyful. It's not like bitter like it has been over the years. I'm in a yeah. very good place. I've, I've ended up all right. <laughs> good. And that's, that's great to hear. And it's great to see you going back Thank on you. tour. And um, we'll talk more about your tour later in the episode. But um, while we're on the subject, you know, as you are on good terms now with the rest of the band, and obviously Spandau Ballet is still, you know, very close to your heart, is, is a reunion ever on the cards? Well, it's not everyone wants to do it and not all at the same time. I mean, um, Tony was, was the, you know, he, well, actually very early on, Gary and Martin wanted, wanted to go into, the, into acting, which they did. And us were and are successful at it, so that's fair enough. Uh, then they kind of wanted to get back with Spandau. Tony didn't, so uh, eventually he did, but only for a little while. Mm. So he, he, you know, he came and went a couple of times. We've had two reunions so far. I mean, for me personally, we did try Ross William Wilde. Let's not forget Ross. He, he did a grand job, but um, you know, not everyone was convinced. Let's say. I was, he's still a friend of mine, um, but you know, it didn't happen. You never know these things. I always say, never say never. I even wrote uh, the lyrics to a, a song of ours, Once More. It's one of the last sort of recordings we did. And in there, never say never, let's rise up together, take on the world. You know, that was really, because Tony always said that. Well, I'm not doing it, but never say never. Yeah. So yeah, there's little signals in there, messages of that. I'd love it personally, if we could just make our minds up, decide and, you know, because no one said, no, that's the end of it. It's not happening again. That's it. No one's ever said that. So I, I would have, I would love or would have loved for us to go out and do a farewell tour for, for the fans, yeah, but also for the band, for, for us to have closure. We never had closure. And that, that is the most frustrating thing about Spandau. You think you're on a roll, you've got, you've got all your work lined up for a year or two, and then without telling the rest of the band, someone changes their mind and you've got an empty calendar for 12 months. That's not, not very ideal, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that, that, if it did happen, that, that must never happen again. Communication really, I know it's a bit corny, but it really did let Spandau down. It's one of mm. our tunes, you know. Yeah, well, fingers crossed a uh, uh, farewell tour uh, materialises one day. But uh, I guess yeah. in the meantime, we can look forward to, to seeing you out and about with the sleeves. Uh, as you say, very much a, a family project. We'll, we'll plug everything in the show notes as well if people want to buy tickets. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk more about it later in the show. But uh, uh, let's dive into some of these questions. Because obviously, this podcast is all about film. And I want to find out a little bit more about you through some of the films that you watch or, or don't watch. 
So, um, okay, I have a go. I mean, I, I don't watch half as many films as I used to. And the, the, I guess the, the bane in, in sort of the movie's life is Netflix, isn't it? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, if it's not on Netflix, no one's in it. But you, but you think about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, right, well, let's dive in. Uh, first question, as always, uh, going straight in there. What's your favourite film of all time? Um, it's got to be, um, for various reasons, really, A, a Clockwork Orange. Oh, great <clears> It always was. It really was, um, for me, I remember as a child at school, it, what, it came out in 71, so I can, I can remember going to school. That's when, when I started secondary school. And on the tube, tube trains, the posters, there was that, that iconic picture of Alex mm. DeLarge, you know, Malcolm, um, Malcolm, what's it, Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, that's it. I was yeah. getting confused with the football, Malcolm McDonald. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so he's, there he was, Alex DeLarge, you know, with that heavily made up eye. And it was so, wow, what's that about? You know, it was so, it was so edgy. And, and, I, and I, I remember sort of talking about it with, with the people that are a bit older than me in school and they're yeah i'm definitely going to see that it then got pulled didn't it straight away that film yeah. um because there was a lot of violence in it but i managed to see it years later to get a copy of it and watched it on an early spandau tour i think it was uh and, and it, i found it groundbreaking um for me it was my introduction to classical music so it's really, I love the arts when they kind of come together. So you've got the visuals and you've got the music and, and whatever. And it's like 360 degree immersion into, into the arts, you know. Uh, and that film does a lot for me. It's got the sort of youth culture, pop culture. It's, you know, you've got, you've got the gang mentality, the antisocial delinquents in there. You've got that great outfit, you know, the, what they're wearing, those boiler suits with a jock straps outside yeah yeah and you've got beethoven and i still listen to that music today um because of uh, you know classical especially beethoven because of a clockwork orange stanley kubrick you know it was yeah. brilliant and that's that the um language that they they invented which took a bit of i think it's like russian a lot of it and um cockney rhyming slang you know mm -hmm. they he made it up anthony burgess great book as well I mean, his story is phenomenal, really. Yeah, um, and I, I think a lot of yeah. people forget that this was a book that Stanley Kubrick adapted yeah. into film because the film is yeah. so iconic. And as you yeah. mentioned, the poster, everyone <laughs> recognises the poster. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's an absolute masterpiece and a great yeah. choice. And Wendy Carlos as well, the, the music, yes. the soundtrack. She, it, 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 she was a hit, Walter Carlos. When, don't, it, you're way too young to even be nearly... <laughs> Invented, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Um, Wendy Carlos was a guy called um, Walter Carlos, who who um, he composed "Switched on Back." So we're talking about like sixties, late sixties here, and it was it was Buck's music played on it on synthesizers. Not as easy as it may sound, because mm. back then those buggers they wouldn't stay in tune. So it was. <laughs> It was really, you had to get the oscillators in tune, otherwise you have to do the whole thing again, you know. And yeah. so he, he, she now, went on to um, um, put the soundtrack together of, of um, A Clockwork Orange, did a phenomenal job. I still listen to it today, the soundtrack of the film. And when I DJ occasionally, I, I slip in a couple of little tunes that are on it, you know, mm. like the theme tune, with, but the electronic version of, you know, 
Beethoven electronic. Oh, I bet that's amazing. If you if you crack right. that out at the right time of the night, I bet it just it gets yeah. everyone going, right? <laughs> oh, it just takes you somewhere weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, and obviously, the seventies anyway was uh, not not that that I was alive for that, but it was it was a crazy time for for cinema. A lot of stuff like Clockwork Orange being a, a good example of just films that really pushed the the kind of boundaries um, for what was kind of acceptable and not. What what was that like? Because you say you were at school at the time when when that came out. Mm. Was there a lot of you know sneaking into cinemas trying to see films that that you weren't allowed oh, to see? Yeah, totally. Well, my oh, you know what? I mean, if I if there's a second film that I absolutely love, it's it's nowhere near as good a film as A Clockwork Orange, but one that it was my first X film. It was Enter the Dragon. And <laughs> oh, I, right. In 1973, I was 13. Yeah. And, you know, and I went, I went in there, like, you know, sort of like, hello. <laughs> I, I think I probably had my school jacket still on, you know, like a lot of us did when we went down the pub. We just took our tires off and expected them not to know that we were <laughs> just come out of school, you know. I, I, but I got in and it was, and the Cleopatra Jones was a support film. Yeah. John Saxon, I believe, was in both of them. And, um, yeah, I just, I loved it. I'm, it it's weird because um, when I met Gary... Uh, well, I guess that we, we became pals in about 73, around a, maybe 74 at school in the same class. All the band were in the same school, except for Martin, who, who was Gary's uh, brother, of course, mm. a couple of years younger. And um, I, I went to their original home, um, which wasn't too far from London where, where I lived. And on one side of the wall, because they shared a bedroom, was uh, where Martin was, it was pictures of Bruce Lee posters. And on, on Gary's side was pictures of Bowie, yeah? And I was a big fan of both of them, Bruce Lee and, and David Bowie. So it was a kind of win-win, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, love, I absolutely loved that, Enter the Dragon, and studied martial arts for, for a number of years because of it, you know? Still do the, still do the high kicks now. Well, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's impressive. I couldn't even do a high kick when I was, like, 15, let alone now. <laughs> yeah, let's go on to the, the other end of the spectrum, uh, what's your least favourite film? It's, this is a, it's a bit embarrassing, this, but, you know, it, it's funny because I couldn't think of what, I could only think of one. And I had to ask Sabrina earlier on today, I said, what do you, do you think is, is my worst film? Because we see films a lot together. And she goes, well, I can only think of one. And she picked the very same one that I said. I said, I can't say that. We got invited to the premiere in Berlin because we because she lives in Berlin, yeah. So we we were invited to the premiere of Atomic Blonde. Right. Yeah? Now we have to see it again. So please, like, don't take offense anyone about this, because we need <laughs> to see the film again. We we went to the premiere, we did all the interviews on the red carpet, we were gushing about how excited we were to see the film. And then we went to the bar for a couple of hours and we got a bit tipsy. So when we're sitting there, we didn't see it as it was meant to be seen. That's the only way I can explain it. Really. And it was really, because it's all about Berlin and stuff. And we yeah. love it. I'm a real Berliner fire with that's a right expression. I love it in Berlin. I'm there all the time. But um, I just, we agreed we didn't like it. But we, we really got to watch it again, I think. It was mm. something, it must be, I don't know what it was. Maybe we were just too drunk. I don't know. We, <laughs> we didn't feel it. But we had a, you know, we had a, we shared a bottle of wine there, and then you know how it goes. I didn't get off on it at all. I thought it was very corny at the time, 
Yeah. Um, but like I say, I really need to see it again. That one. <laughs> yeah, some, sometimes the, uh, the, the the circumstances can really affect your your enjoyment of a film, and a couple of drinks can change entirely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that interesting. Um, so, uh, which film or TV character do you most relate to? Um, I couldn't think of um, anyone, but I mean, am I allowed? I'm allowed to say what I like, really. Aren't I? Yeah, go for can it. I pick, can I pick like a David Attenborough has always been in my life off the telly, you know? I know he's not, he doesn't make films as such, and he's, yeah. not, a, he's not a soap character, but he is a character, isn't he? And, and yeah, of course. I, yeah, I, I remember, I was in, in Ibiza, I think it was in the early 90s, yeah? And I was filling out a questionnaire, and I had been aware for some time that Patrick Moore, the, uh, it, the sky at night, he used to do it every night, you know, after the news at 10, and it was great. He'd sit there, huge character. He would he would have that voice that you got. It was familiar. It was part of your life, you know, the soundtrack, really. And I thought when he was there, you know, one day he's not going to be there because he's getting on a bit. Of course, one day he's not there. And it was like, oh, my God, you never hear his voice anymore. So I thought that in the very early 80s when I was sort of looking into, I love nature programs. I love nature. I guess it's growing up on an estate, you know, so I got out of that as soon as I could. And um, yeah, just lo I love nature. I live by the sea in Brighton and in Berlin, you know, it, not far from the River Spree and all that history and stuff like that. So it's a good balance. But back then, I, um, I remember look, uh, watching David Attenborough on, on telly thinking, you know, he's not going to be around. Appreciate that voice because you will never hear it after a certain while. Not only is he still around, but also when he does pass on, hope it's not too soon, David. And um, and I, I, his voice is going to be all over the place anyway, because he's made so many programs. And when, when I hear it, I feel like comfortable. Do you see yeah. what I mean? Puts me in a relaxed place. I'm in my zone when I hear David Attenborough's voice, yeah. Yeah, I think everyone feels more reassured by David Attenborough's voice. Yeah, it's, yeah, it is. It's soothing, isn't it? It's oh, it's it's I think second only to uh, Morgan Freeman in terms of uh, yeah. iconicness. Yeah, I agree. All those voices. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, are you much of a, a traveller? Obviously, you you travel a lot when you tour. But uh, do you, do you like travelling? Um, not anymore because uh, I don't know. I just get get a bit irritable when I travel. Yeah, it, it's it's not as easy now. And you know, like um, COVID put a. That was so difficult, even, even though they've been relaxed. It's just wearing that mask all the time. You can't wear glasses because they steam up. And you, do you know what I mean? You always feel like, yeah. I don't know, you feel like a bit of a criminal everywhere you go. <laughs> and I, and I, um, I noticed, you know, when I go, we've been together, Sabrina and I, for, for over eight years, nearly nine years. And in that time, we, we, we got it. It was easy for us to fly backwards and forwards, spend a lump of time in Berlin, and then come back here to, to Brighton. And it really worked, you know, and I've, obviously the touring and any any trips abroad to Italy, went there a lot, Spain, you know, as D, uh, me as like live, live playing over with a DJ, all my shows really, and the sleeves, you know, all of that stuff has become complicated, not just for COVID, but Brexit. Mm. So it's really drawn a big line through all that work and traveling that I did. but. When I do do it, even going to Berlin, you're being questioned at the at the border now. How long have you been here? Uh, well, um, I've been here. Oh, what? How long have we been here, Sabrina? I'm like, you know, and well, how, how do we know that? Oh, well, 
well, I don't know. Um, do you want? He said, well, you, there's no stamp in here. I said, look, have a word with your, your guys so that when I come in next time, they stamp it. You yeah. know what I mean? Why has it got to be my fault? So anyway, cutting through all that, it's, it's hard work traveling these days. And I, it is. I, really it want, is. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's just an age thing. You want to travel more when you're younger, don't you? Mm. See the world. But I mean, I've seen a lot of it and I really appreciate the world I'm in sometimes. You know, I love Berlin and Brighton and then, you know, doing my work or seeing people either in London or wherever. Yeah, I like to travel not too far away. Yeah, I get that. Sometimes after a long holiday or you've been away for a while, there's nothing nicer than just getting home to your own bed right mm, oh yeah sometimes worth going away just to go back home again. <laughs> exactly is there anywhere that's just on your bucket list though as if you could only go one more place in the world that that would be uh, it one more oh I, I i think there's a few places i'd like to really really want to go back to to iceland i loved nice. it there yeah Reykjavik and then we took out a four by four hired one over there and just went to see the geezers and <laughs> the geezers. And, uh, you know, we haven't seen enough of it, though. Um, but I loved it in Reykjavik, even just in Reykjavik. It's really weird because you, as soon as you go out of Reykjavik, you know, you're hitting blizzards and <laughs> doesn't it? whiteouts, really, snow whiteouts. It's incredible. You really have to have a four by four there. You really yeah. come up with that. But I, I just think the landscape is just otherworldly, really is so impressive. You know, it's one of yeah. those places. And, I, and anyone who does go, you must go to the um, the baths, the natural sort of steam. What do they call it? Um, I can't remember what they call it now. Like, but, but, like the hot springs. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The hot springs. It's marvellous because you can actually, you've got to stay under the wall. It's like those monkeys, you know, they, they keep the water <laughs> to, to keep yeah. yeah. So it's a bit like that. And if you, what you can do is swim to this little bar and you don't have to get out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, it's that's brilliant. the dream. You just gotta oh. hold your money up, you know, so you, don't get it wet. <laughs> you give me a swim up bar and I'm there. Yeah, yes, yeah, so yeah. I, I really recommend that. It's, yeah, I still like that. I, I, I loved New Orleans for the music years ago. Mm. Really liked it there, the Mardi Gras and everything. Um, oh, good grief. I liked it. Hong Kong was great. Last time Spandau performed with, you know, with Tony was in Hong Kong before it all kicked off. That's that's tragic, you know. I got I'm still in touch with friends there. Though. Such a shame. Such a beautiful, you know, free free place. Yeah. But hey, let's not get stuck into that too much. A lot. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of it going on. Sometimes you just you don't want to talk about that just for a little while, you know. Even though you, it's unavoidable, you know. Yeah, of course. Yeah. What's going on in the world. Well, let's yeah. um, let let's move on then. And um, so, if your if your life was a movie, who would play you? Uh, well, I think that it's got to be my son Jack. Even though <laughs> even though he's my bass player, he's it's more like he's my bass player as as his hobby. You know, it's he's he's really into acting, and he's just picked up a couple of roles and minor roles, speaking ones in in a couple of films, and he direct, directs videos, edits them. Um, we worked together on a couple of little short, sort of humorous ones, really. Mm. Um, and he looks a bit like I did when I was younger, you know. Not exactly, but people say, you know, oh, he's a dead ringer for you. So he's got to play me, and he's very much like me. So there, there isn't anyone closer. You know? Yeah. And yeah. I guess uh, if you ever need a music video, you've, you've got someone yeah, there to do it, Jack right? Jack Norman. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and if and my my daughter while we're on it, she's um, she's a chef and she's doing really well. She's she's she has this uh, company called Euphoria, 
and they put on these events and it's it's a bit like having Cirque Soleil coming down whilst you're eating and every, the food doesn't taste like it looks and it's a real old immersive dining experience. Like I say, that's 360, all the arts together, you know. So you've got the visuals, the music, you've got the taste, you've got it, it but it takes it out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And, uh, and it's thoroughly entertaining, but it's very, very expensive. I warn you, yeah. 500 quid a ticket, apparently, you know, oh. this late. I know, yeah, yeah. But she worked at the um, the Ritz and uh, nice. Bendham and Hyde, you know, top restaurants in London here. Yeah. So she's really, um, you know, cut her teeth with the best. I mean, Steve, it sounds like you've got it absolutely made in your family. You've got entertainment from your son. You've got food from your daughter. <laughs> yeah. You've absolutely <laughs> got a blinder yeah. there, haven't you? I really have, yeah. And also, you know, Sabrina, she's a multitasker as well. Her cooking is phenomenal. We don't go out at all hardly in the we don't go out in the <laughs> evening because we're too busy like it, you know she's a great cook and then we got that dreaded netflix <laughs> yeah yeah no that's terrible we like i i, I keep saying to we must go to, for a cinema experience not just pajamas in bed you know not that i wear pajamas in bed <laughs> do you know what like we so my wife and i didn't go to the cinema for ages not, yeah. nor did anyone because of covid and, and that but yeah, um, yeah. first time we ventured there for a couple of years we decided to treat ourselves we've got like the nicest screen that has like the, the kind of comfier seats and like the recliners and that oh it worked take a beer in there can't you as well yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was so good like if you're Great, gonna go yeah. to the cinema that's what you gotta do it's nowadays yeah retreat yourself you know yeah really <laughs> I agree with you, yeah. There's it, it, it's, it's nothing worse than those pull-down seats and they've got chewing gum stuck to them. And they, they look like those tube trains that haven't been refurbished for about 30 years. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you've got, you got to treat yourselves. I tell you, leather seats, reclining, you're basically right. laying down watching a film. Oh, it's beautiful. It. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible for me, though. As soon as I lay <laughs> down, I'm off. I'm asleep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this next week when I'm waking up. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I think you'll you'll be off in these seats. They're very comfy. <laughs> right, so uh, what's your most nostalgic film? I think it's It's a Wonderful Life. Just reminds me of since I was a kid. It's like Christmas film, isn't it? Mm. And uh, with um, James Stewart. And it's just such a lovely story. Clarence the Angel. And it, it's kind of in the same sort of lump as Miracle on 34th Street, was it? You remember yeah, with Shirley yeah. Temple and uh, Father Christmas, who was in court because they didn't believe it was Father Christmas. It's great, isn't it? Those, those kind of films. Are, you know, I remember Harvey the Rabbit. That's another James Stewart film. Those kind of films. You know, those feel good. I'm, I, I'm, I really like feel good films, if I'm honest. And I, yeah. I cry a bit. I'm an emotional character, so I do, I do sort of struggle sometimes holding back the tear when, when the, when the dog. I mean, you know, he gets gets the prize or rat, yeah. Ratatouille. I cried at the end of Ratatouille. <laughs> when that rat got his own restaurant, ah, oh, that, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, I think there were just some things that like everyone has has something that just like it just tugs at the heartstrings, right? Yeah. Everyone cries yeah. at something in a film. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, and, yeah. So what what was um what was growing up like in, in the Norman household? Um Good grief. Uh, I mean, my, you know, my dad wasn't always around, to be honest. You know, he was towards the, the latter years. He died, well, God, 2001 he died. But, um, you know, it was my mum that really looked after me and my sister and uh, younger sister. 
but so I remember I was I was off I was kind of a latch key kid, you know, you put your hand through the letter box because she was working. Mm. And um, you know, if my sister wasn't born yet, then she would be in kindergarten, I suppose. And uh, so a lot of it was was me on my own entertaining myself. And the way I did it, I was attracted to record collections. So I absorbed all the record collection in, in, my, in our house, you know. You know, I can remember songs like God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. That was big. Just all the sort of, um, it would have been um, national BBC radio of the time. You, you, it was a great mixture of music on the radio as well back then. Uh, a bit like when Top of the Pops was on. So you, it wouldn't be one genre of music like you get these days. It was all mixed up. So you would literally get someone like Cliff Richard uh, and then later on, like Status Quo. And then, uh, uh, you know, when I was very young, Mantovani, all that sort of Percy, Percy Faith and yeah. his orchestra. Very, very sort of um, easy listening music. And, and then sometimes... Uh, the St. Winifred School Choir, you know, singing about <laughs> granddad. I think it was them, wasn't it? We love yeah. you. And, you know, that would be on next to each other. And then Iron Maiden. <laughs> you know, it's like, that, that I love. I mean, it's a great introduction to music when radio gives you a full gamut mm. of the genres of music. You know, why Definitely. not? You don't get that anymore. People are not educated. They cherry pick. Not only do they stick to one thing, they cherry pick from that one thing, like the mm. same artist. You can't, you know, it's difficult to release an album these days and put your best tune on at the end. True was the last song on our album, the True album. That would never happen now. It would go up at the top, wouldn't it? Top three. Because yeah. yeah. people, uh, they run out. There's no album. They don't want album tracks. So that's sad. Very sad. Uh, yeah, so growing up was a bit like that. Wherever I went, and I uh, went down to my uncle's house. My mum used to drop me off there um, while she went off and did her second job to keep us in shoes and fed and watered and all that. Um, and I, you know, I got very much into um, the shadows, you know, because that was in that record collection. And I turned over boxes and bins and played knives on there because I wanted to play drums. You know, I even yeah. spoke a bit. Um, Brian Bennett, the drummer from Shadows, you know, he was a huge influence when, in 1967 about when I was listening to that music, I'm, I'm a percussionist now because um, I spoke to him a, a couple of years ago, uh, my, uh, a mutual friend, Willie Morgan, he used to play um, with Manchester United with Georgie Best. Mm -hmm. So uh, he knew him, I told him this and he knew him and he said, hold on Stephen, he gave him a call. And there I was speaking to Brian Bennett. I was going, ah, da, 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 da. <laughs> I was so nervous, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like that. I'm still a fan. You don't stop being a fan, I always say. Of course, yeah. When did you first pick up an instrument then? That would have been it, about when I was seven. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't an instrument. It was knives on upturned bread bins and things, you know, <laughs> bastards yeah. and boxes. That was as much as I could. But um, I guess it was a, a guitar, small one, when I was about 11. Yeah, that, I didn't pick it up again, the guitar, because I had you know, a couple of things at school and... I managed jingle bells, you know, with playing in the classical style. I wanted to jump up and down like Pete Townsend, you know what I mean? So um, I sort of didn't think about that for a little while. Picked it up again when I was 14. Two years later, formed the band because Gary was my mate mm. and he was in a band and I helped to drag him out of that one. And we thought, you know, got spanned out together from school friends. Yeah. And the rest is history. Yeah, yeah, practically, yeah, 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 yeah. I guess so, yeah. 
Uh, so, yeah, but I did want to, um, I went back onto percussion, as I say, and then there, uh, they're my three things now. I sing, of course, but, um, but I'm known more for the sort of saxophone, I guess, guitar and, and percussion. And the saxophone was really um, in 1982, just before True. It was literally within a year of buying a saxophone. I got a second hand one from a block of flats in Streatham. And um, yeah, just learned it in a little while. Well, I guess I, I didn't think about it, but people tell me that that's, that, that's a, a sort of a, a gifted thing. I don't know about that. Um, I, you know, my Wikipedia says ridiculous lies that I'm a child prodigy. I wasn't, I promise you that. I was not a child <laughs> prodigy at all. I'm trying to get it off of there, it's embarrassing. <laughs> Um, yeah, so then the saxophone, and, and that's the one that brings me a lot of joy now. It's a, it really is. It's a combination of all of them in a way. You know? I even play the saxophone like I play percussion sometimes as a little experiment. You know, when you go like you've got three different drums, it's a boom, bum, beep, boom, 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 boom. So I, I hit those different areas of tones, you know, with the sax. A bit like Maceo Parker with, uh, you know, Prince and, uh, yeah, um, all that, because it's very funky, you know. So um, tell us about your tour. Yeah, well, it's a tour that should have happened already. Um, <laughs> two reasons, well, main reason, COVID, you know, um, you know that kicked in. And it, we re, I, I put it together, or, you know, my team um, put it together for this February, just gone. But it became clear back in October that um, we could be locked down again. So I thought, well, I'm not waiting till January or just before the tour to announce we're putting it back. Uh, so I announced back in, I think it was October, November, and I said, look, I'm going to move it till next year. Um, and it's going to, it's actually starting in September. It's quite a little bit of a way now, but uh, 30th September is the first gig and then goes around the UK all of October, really. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I love Spandau. I wanted, wanted to, I just want to, wanted to make more of this, this important anniversary, you know, 40 years since that album. I, I do feel it was, it was groundbreaking at the time, along with other certain albums, of course, but that was our first album and it captured really everything we'd done up to that point. And, and it was edgy. It reminds me of obviously a lot of memories. It invokes a lot of memories. Spandau have never done uh, the album in its entirety, ever. We never did all the tracks, I don't think, certainly not in the order of the album, we're, 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 you know, back in the in the day. So this was the only way of doing it, really. It was a tricky thing, because I, I, I'm i not Tony for a start. I don't sound like him, but I have got a Rod stewart thing, you know, which I bring more into it and try and bring it a little bit of depth and tone that he's got. You can't copy it. So people are not going to get the soundtrack of their lives here when they see the tour they're going to get like me sort of walking a fine line out of respecting that what everyone did in spandau and their what their contribution was their parts their tones whatever and you know they try and respect the sound for the fans as well they don't want me to stray too far away there mm -hmm. but but also it is me in the sleeves and we've got our sound and our sound is a bit more i guess like spandau were back then that edgy Stooges kind of, you know, chug, choppy, my guitar was always chunky, choppy guitar, you know, mm. kind of edgy. And um, I'm, I'm back on the guitar for that album. We're going to do, we're going to do the album its entirety. And then the second half of the set, it will be some of my tunes mixed in with takes on some of the tunes that I know and love. A bit of Bowie, a bit 
bit of whatever Beatles, you know, like, I like rockabilly now and we, we do that a little bit. So I'm going to pick up, a, 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 you know, bring that into it. And it's, it's always very anarchic. You never know. I never know what I'm going to say. No one knows what's going to happen. Who's going to take the, the mickey out of who? <laughs> That's the beauty of live gigs, all right? Yeah, it is. Keep it, keep that, that keeping it real, really, isn't it? Yeah. It's not scripted. And that, you know that's what I love. Yeah, even even when I play, I step up to to um, play a sax solo. Besides the scripted ones like True, where you have to, I have to keep a bit uh, to the original part, you know, um, because all the fancy, they sing the solo. But anything else, I literally empty my, my mind as much as I can, and become that conduit. But at that point, the sax and me become one, and that and then then it really comes off. And I think that that. Um, putting yourself into that sort of mind frame, that zone, is, is really important with whatever you do. If you want to be creative, don't think that you're creating it. Be that conduit. And it works. It works for me. It really does. Yeah. And I, I think for, for anyone that uh, was a fan of Spandau Ballet, and also for, for people that have just heard one or two songs, you know, for me, it's like gold. I hear it all the time. Mm. You know, I think it's a great introduction for, for anyone that, maybe isn't a fan, but knows a couple of songs, you know, yeah. I think the tour is, is, is going to be great. And uh, yeah. I'm really, really um, excited for you to be getting back out there. Really, performing. Yeah. Um, I must, I must mention actually, Liam, um, I see this is a complete coincidence, right? But this morning I got a call from uh, Steve Dagger, Spandau's manager of always. Mm. Um, and uh, he knows about this. I mean, I have the blessing of the band and I'm still in touch with all of them. I'm the only one who's in touch with all of them as far as I know. But um, I love that, and I'm, you know, I'm proud to say that um, because they were my mates, and you know, I've loved them dearly, even though we get on each other's nerves occasionally. Um, but uh, he said to me that Warner Brothers, who, who sort of own the back catalogue, are putting together a um, a, uh, a box set of that first album. Mm. Yeah, in fact, the first two, but they're focusing on this Journeys to Glory at the moment. What are the chances, you know? So, yeah, and, and they're literally today, it's going to be about five o'clock today. Uh, I'm not sure when this is going out, Liam. Let's just say that today it will be on the, uh, the Spandau site at least. We're asking for fans to send in any memorabilia, photos, tickets, videos, whatever, to uh, not physically, you know, just take good, good pictures of it. And so we can use it. On the on the art in the artwork of the box set, mm. it I think it's a um, I think it's a lovely idea, don't you? I, I absolutely. I, I often get that, you know. They they you get that in social media, and a lot of the fans I know now they come from all over the world. I'm not joking to the sleeves gigs, and then try and try and go and see Gary if he's playing live, or or Tony or or the others, you know, and and make a little bit of a trip. They meet up all the fans. You know, from New Zealand, from um, Australia, Japan, Hong Kong, as well as Europe. That happens every gig. There's always people coming in. So I really respect and appreciate that. And I I, I love the fans. I really do. It's amazing the lasting impact that that your music has had. Um, It's it's incredible. Mental uh, impression, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, But there's there's one more question I need to ask you today. And that is, uh, what is your guilty pleasure? Um, I think it's got to be that um, watching hours of of the dreaded N word, the Netflix, <laughs> you know, when I should be going out to the cinema, you know, in bed. Yeah. With, with, with me and Sabrina, we love it. 
you know, it's, it's like it's a good switch off, isn't it? We're, we're currently watching, is it uh, Anna, Finding Anna? Well, what's uh, Yes, yeah. What's it called? Yeah, I can't remember what it's called now. But uh, yeah, that one about uh, uh, the fraudster. She mm -hmm. was, she's in prison now, isn't she? But, um, uh, oh, it's, if it, it's based on a true story, but what a clever girl. <laughs> I mean, really, she, she was up to no good, but oh my word. She was really, yeah, smart what, as you like. Yeah. What, what's your kind of go-to uh, sort of genre on Netflix? I, I started off with Breaking Bad. I loved that. I loved it. You know, I, I was really into that. Um, and it's, that's weird because I, I, I also like Sky Arts an awful lot. Mm. That, that's my, that's on all the time, you know. News can get a little bit heavy now, you know. You can, I, I absorb it in the morning and then think, well, I can't watch that now because it just depresses <laughs> you, don't it? You know? Yeah. And, uh, and I don't get anything done, really. But yeah, if it's not David Attenborough, it'll be Sky Arts and a lot of documentaries, of uh, musical documentaries or art. Art in general, really. There's been some lovely ones recently. So I think I like the arts. I would go for that or, or something juicy, you know, um, like I say, the Anna thing or, mm -hmm. or the tiger one. It's fun. You know, the, yes. the, the, what's that? The tiger one, you know. You can't, you can't write that. You couldn't make that up in a <laughs> no. tree, you know. No, it's, it's, it's one of those, isn't it? If, you, if it was scripted, people would watch yeah. it and say, this is ridiculous. This would never happen in real life. <laughs> and there is like it's, it's a bit like death race you know that film they had one yeah. death race 2000 it was called but it came out in the 60s or the early 70s didn't it yeah, yeah. and, and it, you know it's, let's hope it don't turn into that <laughs> you know reality tv is getting a bit serious isn't it now <laughs> yeah that's true, some that's of it's true. Really entertaining. yeah some of it's very entertaining yeah, well, um, it's been a great set of answers from you today. Uh, it's been great chatting with you. But before I let you go, uh, do yeah. remind everyone uh, how they can connect with you and get tickets to your tour. Yeah, I mean, the best place to go is my website, stevenorman-official.com. So it's it's all on there. Yeah, won't be going out until um, on tour until September. But I've got some gigs and that beforehand, you know, other projects that I'm working on. Um, you can see me on social media, you know, posting stuff sporadically. Um, probably not as much as I should. But once you get on social media, I'll go on like Facebook. I see someone from school and I'm on there for hours and they don't get off that post. So, I, you know, I've got to get work done occasionally. Yeah, it's, it's a rabbit <laughs> yeah. hole, isn't it? Once you start, once you go in, that's it. It's, that's you never it, get yeah, I'm in London on the, uh, let's see, in June, end of June in London, got two couple of gigs there, which is always the usual nonsense and shenanigans and a lot of fun in Holborn. Well, thanks a lot, Steve. It's been amazing having you on the show and hopefully uh, we'll find an excuse to get you back sometime. Absolutely. Anytime, Liam. Thank you so much for having me on. Appreciate it. That's it for this episode of the Friday Film Club. I do hope you enjoyed it. And of course, you can listen back to all previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And remember as well to connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at The Fry Film Club. We will, of course, post links to all of our guest info in the show notes. So look out for that as well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.